Welcome to Fuji Love. This is the show that is all about the Fujifilm X-Series and GFX cameras, but more importantly, it's about the photographers who love to use them. I'm Mark Sadowski, and this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, whether it's news, interviews, and so much more, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And now, on with the show. My guest this week is Tamara Dean. Tamara is a fantastic art photographer based out of Australia. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Mark. I'm thrilled to be on the show with you. So I got to say, your your artwork is absolutely amazing. I, I've been seeing your work every time Fujifilm does their uh, amazing little mini documentaries where, where where they showcase artists, and, and uh, I, I got to see your videos, your promotions, and then ever since then, I've just been a, a huge fan. Your your work has been uh, just God. How, how do I describe it uh, for for everybody listening? I, I, it, this is a very you have a very moody presence, a very surreal, very ominous look to some of your photos there is uh, uh, a, 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 an almost magical ethereal quality to through uh, a lot of your uh, images which is very very gives you a very striking presence and then eases you into the rest of the photo um, is is the best way I could describe a lot of the photos when I look at your website and, and, and look at your uh, um, uh, Instagram account. And I got to say, you are an, an amazing photographer, amazing artist, and, and your your vision is uh, something that uh, just I admire greatly. Thank you. That is just the most beautiful introduction to my work. I am, I, if I heard you saying that, I'd be intrigued to go and have a look at the person's work. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're an official ex-photographer. Where, where in Australia are you based out of? Uh, so I live out uh, in the countryside a few hours south of Sydney. Um, so I'm on old uh, dairy farming land and about a 20-minute drive from the coast as well. So I have kind of the best of both worlds. I'm sort of just sit like where I'm sitting right now, I look out to just this enormous mountain which we sit in the, um, in the foothills of and, um, and I just have cows and dogs and horses that I look out to. <laughs> that. I don't know how you can handle it. <laughs> um, that is amazing. And um, before we begin, uh, I just so that people can kind of look at the photos as they listen to this interview, where can they find you on the web that uh, uh, they, they could see uh, the majority of your work? Look, the best place to find my work is on the Michael Reed Gallery website, um, my page on that website. 
So Michael Reed have a gallery. They have the galleries all over the place, but Sydney and Berlin um, are their their major galleries, and they have a really great spread of work from my early work through to my most current work. Because my I'm I don't keep up with my own personal website um, well enough, so uh, that, that that's a little more dated. Story of all of our lives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to ask, with the work that you've been doing, uh, what is your artistic setup right now? What what kind of uh, uh, camera lenses are you using? Well, um, I've got the GFX100S body, um, the Fujifilm body, and I'm mostly using uh, the 45mm f2.8 lens, um, but I switch between that and um, a couple of other um, shorter lenses. I, I tend towards a, sh- uh, you know, a, um, a wider lens than a longer lens most of the time. Is uh, medium format something that you've always been uh, using? How, how did you, what, what were you using prior to uh, the, the GFX system? Well, it was a little bit of a journey through cameras um, from when I started. So um, I, the majority of the – so I've, I've worked across different areas of photography and there was a really big long patch of um, being a staff photographer at the Sydney Morning Herald, which was um, which is a broadsheet in Sydney. And uh, – while I was there, I was using Canon gear uh, the whole time. I was 13 years, so I know my way around a Canon, Canon system pretty well. But uh, once I started w- moving my my work to an art practice where I was um, having a bit more of a directorial approach, I, I got myself a, um, to begin with, a Mamiya 7 film camera, which was um, a medium format camera that, really um you know there were only two t- sorry 10 photos to a roll and I had to have yeah. a tripod and it really slowed my my approach down which was a great training for me and so once um once the comp- the camera the digital cameras in my mind caught up to the quality I was able to achieve with film that's when I bought a Hasselblad and um a medium format camera and I worked with that um, for oh, maybe eight years um, until the Fujifilm camera, which I've had for about maybe a year and a half, something like that. So when you made that switch to Fujifilm, I mean Hasselblad, they're they're uh, they're, they're no chumps in the uh, business. They've uh, uh, they have a very long history that that uh, actually coincides with Fujifilm. Uh, like, like with the X-Pan and uh, everything like that. Uh, what, what is it? What was that, that, that thing that made you switch from uh, Hasselblad's system That's apart the from very- the price? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the price helped. But the biggest thing for me was um, I tend to shoot largely in pretty low light. And so um, the, the Hasselblad just couldn't handle anything in my mind, um, beyond sort of 800 uh, ISO. And I, the, the Fujifilm 
camera has the ability for me to go further down um, uh, to work in low light situations, which it, it's a huge load off for me. Um, it means that I can um, hold the camera and not have it on a tripod in some situations where I would have had to have it on a tripod. And it just opened up more um, opportunities for me to be able to capture the photographs I want to capture. I, I got to ask, with, with, and forgive me, I'm very, very ignorant to <laughs> the art world. They they would uh, not let me in. Uh, <laughs> what? What is it that uh, about the medium format? I mean, the answer might be as obvious as just more megapixels. But what is it about the medium format that necessitates you to to use the the, the larger system uh, as opposed to say the the regular APS-C or, uh, or or even full frame for, for that matter? What what does the medium format do for you that the other formats cannot? Uh, there's a few things. Um, scale is a big one. So I tend to exhibit quite large works and it's important to me when the images are blown up that they don't lose quality. Like it's still, you're not seeing pixels falling apart or getting crunchy. It's just beautiful, yeah. smooth imagery. And because I suppose my work has pretty strong painterly references through it and so if you start seeing pixels, it breaks that spell. Um, and so that's that's important to me. But also um, when I was using um, Canon, uh, like they seem to be very built for um, contrast and really vibrant colour. And I guess I what I've found in the medium format across both the Hasselblad um, and the Fujifilm cameras are the you're able to maintain subtlety in the colors um, and it's not that they're not vibrant but they're not um, shouty in a way um, so and it's, it's the same with clarity I, like I like having my images sharp but um, I feel like there's this push in the 35mm camera um, world for even with the professional ones to just be, you know, really sharp and bright and like really in your face. And I suppose I look for subtler um, tones, subtler moments, subtler um, uh, ways for the eye to move around an image. So those are those are big ones for me, yeah. The appreciation for blurry photos has really gone by the wayside yeah, i think it's true there is a i mean apart from, like there's motion blur but yeah another kind of blur can often add a, a lot of mood and i just don't see that in uh newer works of art as much yeah i mean uh, it, there's such a breadth of works of art so I, it's hard to um, pin that down in my mind, but certainly when you're looking at photojournalism and um, and a world where you sort of the cameras are being marketed as fast and um, punchy, uh, you know, sport photography, all of those sorts of things. It's you know, there's a real thrust towards towards clarity um, in a in a very punchy way. And you know, maybe yeah. towards document. Sorry, moving towards my more conceptual work. That was a real step away from that. 
that level of clarity, I guess. Your style of photography, your your style, your 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 subjects, how how would you define to the world? I mean, you've heard <laughs> my uh, lengthy description. I, I, how, how do you see yourself as uh, what, what kind of artist do you feel you are to the world? Look, if I um, if I'm asked that, or just to you yourself, I, I suppose. Also, it doesn't necessarily need oh, to be to the world. The trickier question, but I guess figures in the landscape is the most simple way I put it. If I'm asked, but um, I guess for me, uh, for my photography is it's my language, and it's the way that I talk about how I feel about the world. So it's not only um, I suppose like they're, they're quite narrative driven works, um, but it, they leave it, they leave room for the viewer to kind of make up the story based on their own experiences. And, and as I've developed my work over the years, um, I guess I keep refining it more and more just down to this simple um, concept that we are part of nature. Humans are part of nature. We're not something that sits outside of it. So um the all of the elements in the photographs go to telling that story so I might have tones within the natural world that um, and tones within the skin of the people in the I'm photographing that may either um, you know the, there's a there's an element of um, choreography or like um, likeness between the, the elements of the landscape and the human form so um, yeah. I guess it's um, it's very much my like my inner world expressed in the outer world. And how much of your work, like I, I'm looking at uh, the 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 Palace of Dreams, yes, the, the 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 gallery, and like this is probably. I, I I don't know if it actually is, but this is some of your brightest work. This is very, very uh, ethereal, very uh, heavenly. <laughs> How much of this is in done in camera, and and is there any Photoshop work that you're doing here? Any kind of uh, adjustments in Photoshop, or is it all just uh, in camera magic? Well, um, it's largely in camera uh, and you're right, it is my brightest work like from a light perspective and that's been a very conscious decision um, for me on a very personal level to try and bring more light and um, I suppose like happiness and warmth into my own personal like being and so it's it's something that you, you sort of, if you track my work from early to now, it's like it's a conscious trying to kind of look to the light, look to beauty, look to positivity. Um, and so th- this is a huge um, pal- palace of dreams is a really strong kind of um, notion to that. And uh, basically I to make that series, I constructed a 12 by uh, four meter underwater studio, so that as one I, does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know that Palace of Dreams was what 
was going to come of it. I just knew that there was a space that I could work in that would be exciting and I really wanted to see what I could achieve. Um, and so uh, apart from um, there's, there's some mirrors used in um, underwater which form the walls, which sort of go along the walls of the pool, um, and they're they're not uh, because it's the first time I ever did it. They're they curved a little bit, and so you can see little bits where the mirrors um, on the raw file. You can see little bits where the mirrors meet up. So beyond t- photoshopping out those little bits that would give away that the um, I guess the magic um, or give away what you know what went towards making the magic. Um, it's just a little bit of Photoshop, getting rid of that stuff. Bit of um, adjusting the tone, um, but largely it's uh, all in camera. That is amazing, and and <laughs> so the the w- w- when the swimmers are looking down in your photos, they're actually looking upwards. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was a huge job for the people I was photographing. There was so many things that they had to remember um, in order to not um, break the spell. So. Um, they couldn't be breathing air out of their mouth uh, most of the time or nose because then it like it would distort in front of the face and the bubbles look all funny. Uh, and they'd have to be um, upside down where the water actually goes up your nose and then had to be wearing clothes and uh, trying to find a poetic way it, for it to register upside down. <laughs> there was like there was so many things that they had to, oh, and to not have creases on their face. So because everyone's concentrating on all those other things, suddenly you'd start getting creases on foreheads. And so then I had to be like, okay, well, also as well as all of those things to remember, don't drown and don't look concerned. <laughs> so there was, there was um, yeah, the, everyone who modelled for me was an absolute legend. That is absolutely brilliant. And <laughs> anybody who has a YouTube, cha- a YouTube account, head on over to YouTube. And I think it was your video using the the the, the GF twenty to thirty five millimeter, the, the that yeah. new lens. That's right. Um, you show off the, the 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 massive studio, the the underwater studio, and yeah. that is that is something to behold. <laughs> it was you, a um, place, that's for sure. So, do you with something like this? Is is this something that you lend out to other artists? Uh, is this uh, something that? Uh, you can use recreationally. <laughs> well, it can definitely be used recreationally. Um, and we are probably going to hire it out to um, uh, like film studios who need to shoot underwater scenes in a controlled environment because it's um, it's heated really, really well as well so that I could have people in there for um, over an hour at a time and not have them just absolutely freezing. So there's a lot of things that have been spec built into it so that it, it's, a, it's a pleasant environment for people to be in. Um, but at the moment, it's so new. I'm just, it's sort of all me right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that, that, that is awesome. That, <laughs> that is just, how long did it take you and your team to, to, to make this? Like, it took a year. 
Um, yeah. Largely because it hasn't stopped raining <laughs> for the past <laughs> year and it continues to. So it just, um, there's been a lot of, um, it could have been done a lot faster if we didn't have the weather that we're living through at the moment. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's come together um, really well. And uh, before I, the reason I built it was that I'd been doing photo shoots underwater in the ocean um, for my endangered series um, where I had people swimming like formations of fish underwater. Um, yeah. And, but I'm actually a bit of a chicken in the ocean and um and find it pretty stressful just for like my own personal history reasons. But I pushed myself to do it for those series. But I found, I also found that working with the underwater housing that I'd bought was um, really clunky and I wasn't able to have full control of the camera in the way that I would usually want to. So I decided that, I wanted to create a space I could photograph within where I didn't have to be underwater. So I had full control of the camera um, and I had enough room to work with people under the water. So I tried to find Airbnb houses I might be able to rent out and if they had like a big pool that I could use. Um, but it just, there was never anywhere that had warm enough water or like the things I needed just didn't all line up in one place. So yeah. um, that's what got me thinking, well, I'm just going to build it and see what happens. That and the the work that you that that came out of this endeavor, it just I, I think it speaks for itself because it, it is uh, absolutely gorgeous and uh, and so let's rewind the clock uh, a little bit. Uh, you went from. A journalism job, uh, if if I heard you correct, uh, correctly. Yeah, photojournalism. Um, have you have you always felt that you were an artist first, and then everything else was kind of like to pay the bills, or uh, did the the art come from the photojournalism, or uh, how did um how did the the art begin? The art definitely came first, um, and but photography very quickly became my medium of choice because I just found that I could I could tell my stories with it the way that I wanted to. And my biggest um, challenge was the technical side because I'm not massively into the tech stuff, and I find it almost impossible to read a manual. And so, um, oh, I, no one ever reads those. <laughs> and so I, I ended up the I went to art school went to design school I did a whole lot of different things not knowing which way I was going to go but um in the end I think I saw these photojournalists working um at a protest I went to and I just thought they really knew like looked like they knew their stuff and so I thought well, maybe that's a good way to to learn um photography on the job and it was just um so I wouldn't say that photojournalism was just a job to pay the bills. I enjoyed so much of that time um, and I learned to use a camera in a way that was just second nature. So 
I, I learned on the job and I came in at a time where there was still film and so I was running the film through the machines. And oh, what year was this? So I started in 2001. Okay. So the tail end of film. And so I was there at that transition to digital and I've had I I remember those days. all of those cameras um, in through the Canon system in um, as they evolved uh, over those 13 years. Um so, yeah, I've sort of really I've been able to track that progression quite well through my work and, and where, um, <clears throat> where I find things helpful or not helpful in terms of the different camera systems. How was it w- w- with the, your work w- w- with the film? Were you able to do any kind of uh, art projects just strictly with, the, with, with those film cameras? Um, what a- I- yeah, sorry, I, I didn't, I wouldn't say what I did was art projects, but I certainly began. Um, Probably a poor choice of words on my part. I apologize. That's okay. Sure. So <laughs> I, um, I, at almost the same time that I joined the Sydney Morning Herald, I also uh, was accepted into a photographic collective in Australia called Oculi. And so from the beginning, I always had um, a, a situation where I was creating my personal work for me and I was doing my work for the Herald for the Herald. And by, um, I, I always used a film camera, um, <clears throat> even as digital began, um, to do my own personal work on. So there was this really clear delineation between the two approaches and the two um, mediums. Um, and that's what I was curious about. That's what I was yeah. trying to get at. Yeah, 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 but well perceived. Um, and then when I had my daughter in 2005, um, I took a break and um, and just went, just real, uh, having worked on these sort of personal projects in the photojournalism where I was living and breathing photography, I realised I couldn't do that once I had a baby. And so that's when I started bringing in the medium format film camera um, and doing really personal projects using that camera as an aside to the photojournalism work. And then once I had my son, uh, only 15 months later, that just continued. And I don't know, I think it was 2014 I ended up um, completely um, going separate ways from the the Herald and full-time as a as a photographic artist. But I, there was a period where I was doing both at the same time, although keeping very clear um, delineations between the two ways of working and the two, um, like digital was for work and film was for personal. So, yeah. Things progressed. Your style uh, continually evolved. And some of your earlier works, what was it uh, that really struck me? Divine Rights. Oh, um, yeah. This is probably almost, I mean, there's there's a lot of religious undertones, a lot of modern referencing in this. Uh, tell, me, tell me about this uh, uh, series. Uh, what was What was your inspiration uh, and yeah, I'll, I'll let you take the floor with it because it's so it, it is so striking, and 
I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> it's interesting you picked Divine Rights because no one has ever asked me about that series. Seriously? Um, yeah, it's one that just sort of sat in the background in my in my life and has it's never really had much attention. Um, and so it's interesting you picked up on that one. Um, but basically I suppose that series happened when I was – I guess it was a process of self-discovery when I was, I, I guess, getting in touch with my own sensuality and sexuality. And so I started and I was, um, I don't know if I just had my daughter then or I don't know. It was around a time where I was at home a lot. <laughs> and so yeah. I started looking at the quality of light and I had, I really just had myself to work with at that stage as a model. And I, I would have felt uncomfortable asking people in those beginning start stages of that series to model for me because I was just sort of work, trying to work out um, the sensual sensuality in those photos on my own. Um, and, and then once I – and there's very strong painterly references in there in terms of the colours I'm using and the tones and the skin – the way the skin is like it's a little bit blurry and but then there's some really, you know, really high um, – uh, vibrant colour even within the subtle sort of moody um, figure scape. <laughs> see, I, I see uh, when I look at that series, I think Caravaggio. Yes, yes, very much so. And and then once I got, I suppose once I started seeing how that was coming together, then I asked my sisters if they'd model for me and some close friends. So it was a very, very intimate series and um, – and I only dared photograph the people I felt very comfortable with um, and, you know, starting with myself and then just with my closest women, friends and sisters. But from that, uh, you uh, you do a lot more. There, there become more people showing up in your work and uh, the – and it looks like uh, the, the the nude work um, j- just—I don't want to say just takes off, but it's it becomes part of the fabric of your uh, your artwork, um, and that's why I think uh, what what drew me to uh, that series is because it, it it's very singular in, in divine rights, but. And I think that it was, uh, to me, it was a juxtaposition to, 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 to the other nudes that you have where there, there are many nudes in, in the photo. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, um, I mean, I guess when I think about it, it was almost like a study series. And, and what I, was always, I was really trying to find um, that very fine line in my photography where that little bit of movement could create a painterly effect. Yeah. And, and so I feel like when I think back on it, that was me really playing, t- trying to find that edge. And um, and so you see that in the study. Let, let's call them studies. And then when I take it out into the landscape, I'm still through using um, the lighting and just throwing a little bit of flash in with the movement. I'm trying to keep building that scent, that painterly sense into the larger scenes so in in a way uh, that that series is like a building block if i if I look back on it 
I love uh, the edge. The edge has some. It, it, it's more of that uh, same painterly feel, but there's, there's just something tribal about it, or or uh, something that it, it, it is foreign, but like very. You you get the impression of a tight knit family, a lost family, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and by by the way, f- forgive me. I I, I don't mean to. Uh, it, again, it is not a world that I frequent. In um, I, I, for me, it's it's I, I either love it or, um, or or question it, or, or I don't know what to say. So. Uh, if I am at all saying mis, mis, mis uh, misrepresenting or anything no, or, or saying anything Every, wrong, everything <laughs> you're saying is completely valid, and um, and and I'm and you're completely right. The the edge was all about trying to honor the sort of rites of passage that young people make for themselves in the natural world. So that series I made in both Australia and in upstate New York, um, and you, you almost can't tell the difference really because it's the same stuff going on, um, you know, young people going out into old abandoned railway lines and having parties and just like it's all that stuff that like once teenagers leave home or, you know, maybe even when they're still with their families, you know, going out and finding places out in the forest and um, and getting together and, and creating your own rites of passage. That's that's what that series is about. So it definitely, when you say tribal, that's that's what I hear that you're seeing. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that, but that's a great link to divine rights because I feel like that's where you start seeing that movement come into play in some of those images um, in the edge. And. And then let's fast forward the the, the clocks to um, uh, to the pandemic because um, the the pandemic really shook things up uh, in, in many places. Australia had one of the uh, biggest lockdowns um, uh, in the in, in the world, I would say, because your country. If I understand correctly, can you you could lock it down pretty substantially from uh, I, I guess your equivalent to states like it would be here, uh, but you you're able to lock things down pretty pretty substantially. So you if you're in one location, you couldn't go to another location. Yeah, it was really weird because I mean, as an island. Um, you know, it's that was the advantage of containing um, and locking down, I suppose. But um, it was really weird because the states uh, within Australia, generally there's not a lot of attention paid to them. I mean, there might be a bit of tribalism like where each state thinks that they're superior to the other, but um, there's never, you never really, you might drive across a border and go, oh, there's the border of Victoria or there's the border of New South Wales, but never have there been roadblocks on those borders. Like never were those borders, um, you know, in my lifetime known to be places you couldn't cross. So that was a very strange 
situation here, just in terms of the way we understand our country and our ability to move around it, having it never been impeded before in that way. Um, but, you know, everyone reshaped their idea of their community and the world through the pandemic. But that was just, I suppose, one of the most, one of the more strange uh, experiences. So while we're talking about that, tell me about uh, uh, hijinks and the hydrangeas. Uh, that was, I, was that your first uh, Fujifilm-based um, documentary? Uh, yeah, that was. That was the first um, time that we started working together. Uh, and that body of work came about because of the lockdowns. And I found that I, my husband, had, because we've got this property, my husband had mowed a running track around the property that the kids and um, we'd all go and make sure we ran around each day with dessert as a motivator. Um, <laughs> but I just found like the routine of just being even just even trapped here, even though we weren't just in the house, we had some space. It was, you know, it's pretty sort of emotionally stifling. So um, I decided I'd make a practice of going out onto the block um, with my camera and a light and just using myself as my model and uh, seeing what I'd come up with because usually I go somewhere else. I don't tend to make work at home. And, um, and it was just the most incredibly um, in like enlivening experience for me and each day I'd come back to the house after having done a shoot and being just like wow I just made a work and I'm really happy with it and I used you know I I basically it was just me working with me (laughs) Um, and so it was quite um it was quite uh, what's the word um empowering and and I got a real kick out of it. And uh, so I did that for quite a while, um, starting to build hijinks in the hydrangeas. And then as the social distancing opened up a little bit, I um, I asked uh, if I could photograph in other people's gardens um, so I wouldn't have to come into contact with them. I could still social distance, but I could delve into some different landscapes um, because ours is quite um, – like the Australian bush, whereas other gardens had beautiful big displays of flowers. So I was able to go into a whole lot of different environments and work using my own figure in the landscape. Um, but it was a it was a real challenge just having to run back and forth from the camera and and the logistics of making these work. Um, yeah, so that's how that that body of work came about. That's awesome. Uh, you could have I'm used the, the the camera app on your iPhone <laughs> to oh. uh, trigger the, the the camera. Well, look if I if I'd had I'd already done most of that series before um, before I joined with Fuji, <laughs> and, um, so that that wasn't useful to me then. But yes, if I were to do that again, which I do not plan to, at least until I'm in my nineties, when I'll be like. A much more like a different different body, different age. Um, I uh, I don't think I'll be photographing myself again. It was a uh, it was of the time, and I'm very happy to have things in front of the camera to focus on now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, so, 
so now we're uh, back to today. Uh, yeah. the, the, the world is back to normal, and I'll throw an asterisk there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, where do you see uh, your work going uh, from here? Um, like, are there any is there anything you could share that um, will uh, 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 kind of uh, give us a hint of what's uh, of things to come? Well, I guess um, I'm really excited about using the underwater studio and the beauty for me with that space is that it is a space of discovery and I could never have imagined what the photographs looked like from Palace of Dreams had I not kind of gone into it with that um, mindset. And so uh, I am just going to continue to um, to follow my intuition and uh, and continue to work in the studio trying different ways of approaching the surface or the underwater space and um and letting what kind of um, simmers around take form. But I don't know what it will be. All I know is that it will be new uh, to me. Like it'll be something that I'm discovering um, as opposed to kind of necessarily completely preconceiving. That is awesome. Do you uh, have a name for this uh, uh, studio, this this, uh, contraption? I haven't come up with a name, but maybe I should think of one. <laughs> because when I look at it, like w- once you uh, told me how uh, how how it was done, um, it looked. I mean, it reminded me a lot about what Star Wars uh, created. Uh, they have I can't remember what they called their studio, but it is uh, uh, it's on dry ground but yeah. it's a 360 degree uh L- lcd thing where it, 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 it they 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 broadcast the, the 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 scenery for the actors and you've essentially done that underwater <laughs> well i think like the word that comes to mind would be imaginarium if i was that's to- a great name <laughs> Holy crap. It rent out the imaginarium. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you heard it first. <laughs> Fuji Love Here first. Just, yeah. uh, like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> um that is amazing. And uh I, I, I can't wait to see what else you make out of this. This is uh Thank you. uh it's a it's a brilliant invention and uh uh i i I wish you uh all the best with with it and uh uh with with that i i gotta say um i i I can just keep talking your ear off because i (sighs) i i I love 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 your work and um but but before we go i do want to ask um just to kind of rewind the clocks back a little bit um did you ever take up painting has has because there as you referenced in, in your descriptions and the the look of your work is is quite um uh, strikingly painterly um 
is this something that you've done in the past or um yeah, yeah i am um, i have i've i've painted the a lot of women close to me um they all sit in all these paintings sit in a hallway at home out of the way because i'm still quite shy of my painting skills uh as in i i, I don't have confidence uh but i love to paint um i'm just I'm just not patient enough yet for that to be my full focus. But um, maybe one day. I've just started learning to play the piano, so you never know. Nice. That is awesome. <laughs> um, well, that let's leave it at that because the next time we'll talk, we'll uh, we'll, we'll talk more painting, and okay. uh, definitely uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk more Fujifilm and. More yeah. artwork. I would love to have you back on the show at some point. Um, oh, I'd love to have you back. Thanks, Matt. And uh, for now, uh, why don't you once again tell the world where they can find you on the web? Uh, they can find me on the Michael Reed website. My name is Tamara Dean. Um, so if you Google Michael Reed, R-E-I-D, and Tamara Dean, I will pop up for sure. Amazing. Uh, again, Thank you so much for being on the show and uh, until next time. Sounds good. Thanks for the chat. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and I hope to see you back next week. I wanted to also mention one more time that this is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And my name is Mark Sadowski. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Mostly Instagram, though. I'm at Mark Sadowski. That's Mark with a C. And you can also check out my other podcast, Xmark. It's a Fujifilm-esque kind of show, where it's more spice of life and pretty infrequent. But if you want more of my voice, that's the place to check it out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. (laughs) 